welcome to the Related to Geeks podcast. We are back again at Tinker's Tavern in the Gamer Plus chat, and we are here to talk about podcasts and vlogs, all kinds of video and audio production. But before we get into our main topic, we must know what our geek agendas are. And I am going to ask Carl to start. My geek agenda is a computer game. What? That's weird. That doesn't make any sense for old Carl. That's what they always say. That old Carl, they say, he doesn't play much of those computer games. And they're right. I don't. But (laughs) lately, because uh, 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 my... uh, my son wants to be like his cousin, my nephew. Um, uh, we've been playing League of Legends, which is a computer game in which uh, two groups of essentially uh, steampunky fantasy heroes fight each other and they try to destroy each other's big gym. You got to take out the big gym. I've only played it like six times. So I don't know a lot about it. But you got to take each other's big gym out. You got this big gym and the other team, they don't like it. They don't like that big gym. So you got to run across the map and you got to hack at the big gym. And once the big gym explodes, it says, you won. And then my kids go, we. So that's what we've been doing. <laughs> Um, so is Big Jim like James the Big Bad, or is Big Jim like Big Bubba, Big Ugly yeah. Basketball Arena? <laughs> they, have, they have one soldier named Jim. He's real big, and he says, I'm Big Jim, and if you're going to beat this army, you got to fight me, and I got a mouthful of spit, and I got an axe with a tree trunk for a handle. But... <laughs> No, it's a jewel. It's like a big, it's not like a workout place or some guy named Jim. It's a gym. I wasn't pronouncing the E right. Um, but it's a, it's gotta, a big. You gotta make sure it's an E and not a Y or, a big or an I. Sh- chunk of cosmic magic rock or something, and you gotta bust it up, and that's how you win. So it's essentially like, you know, capture the flag, except you destroy the flag. Um, and there's probably other game modes that exist, but that's the one we've been playing, and it's all right. Well, I heard they're going to have live music at the high school gymnasium, so I'm headed over to the big gym for the big jam. All right. Well, if if my experience tells me anything, don't forget your buffs and power ups, and sharpen your axe. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. so my geek agenda has also been a computer game which is much more common for me but i have started a minecraft server since the last time we podcasted together and it's been a great opportunity for uh, me and several members of my family to connect while playing this game and it's it's been really good for some of the younger ones who are cooped up and don't really have any kind of outlets right now. And I know like normally you would say, Oh man, we, we got to do stuff to keep these kids off of this video game. But several of the parents have told me directly that it's been like 
kind of a blessing because not only is it keeping them occupied, but it's keeping them occupied with family and interacting and socializing. And it's just been a really fun experience. And what I will say about Minecraft, because Minecraft is a game that I've played um, off and on over the years, but I've always played it solo, is that if you haven't tried Minecraft multiplayer, uh, I would try it because it really opens up the game and makes it a lot more than you ever really thought it could be. There's a lot of fun things that you can do together. You can go adventuring together. You can build stuff together. And we've done all of it. And it's been an absolute blast to have that experience with all my nieces and nephews and my brother, Kier. Make something from your pantry or your freezer or like your favorite sandwich or your favorite way. I think some of them were actually done in the studio. Like I think the way, your favorite way to cook eggs. And I find those videos really interesting. So mm -hmm. I've been watching a lot of those. Um, I have a new favorite sandwich now <laughs> because of it. Tell me more. <laughs> well, you will not like this sandwich. It does not fit into your into your diet, but it is a it's a grilled cheese, which is like the best kind of sandwich. Mm -hmm. And um, with a little bit of Dijon mustard, pickles, and salami. So it's mm. kind of like the Cuban, but not quite, because the Cuban's like you know pork roast and ham but it's mighty good and I have decided that I always need to have the stuff in my fridge to make it at my whim it doesn't sound particularly appealing but I'm <laughs> sure it tastes better than it sounds it is it is yummy <laughs> oh and you know the the cheese that I've been using is like extra short cheddar cheese mm -hmm. which makes it all the better yeah, back in my cheese days, that was my cheese of choice. <laughs> yes, in my cheese um, days. <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's it's really interesting to just watch them. I guess in their own cooking environment, talking about the things that they like to cook for themselves and their family, and you know, a lot of family interactions. In fact, I was telling, I was telling my husband this earlier today, is that I was watching one of them, and one of her kids came in, and they're like. If I was at D&D &D Club right now, this is where I'd be having a cookie. <laughs> and she goes, I think he's asking me for a cookie. And then all of the other people on the chat with her were like, what's his character? What's his character's name? What kind of class does he play? <laughs> I just thought, nice. like, the Bon Appetit Test Kitchen is full of nerds. <laughs> so, I mean, it makes sense. But <laughs> They have the best game nights. All, all the good food. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's a cookbook series called The Best of Bridge, and it's that it's a Canadian cookbook series that my mother-in-law gave me before she passed away. And um, their their thing was the best of play, getting together and playing bridge was the food that you ate during. Yeah, that's ninety percent of a good game night. It's just the food, <laughs> so, and it's got some great recipes in it. Highly recommend if you can find them. Dad, do you have a geek agenda? Yes, I do. Sorry about that. I wanted to turn that fan on. Um, so I mentioned last time uh, that I started upgrading my hi-fi. Um, uh, this is the um, most geek of all geek hobbies. If you can imagine a grown man spending days and hours arguing about which speaker cable is the best and has the most clarity or openness or transparency. Um, but 
speaker cables are important. Got to have good speaker cables. Then uh, um, I stacked them up on a bunch of books to get them approximately where I wanted them to be. And Vivian and I moved them in and out away from the wall and listened and found our optimum listening distance from the wall <laughs> to this room. And then I built um, speaker stands out of scrap lumber from out in the Icasahedron. And uh, I still got to finish them. I got some anchors to add. And then when I picked these ELAC speakers from the current crop of great speakers, they all did mention that you had to have substantial power um, on your amplifier. And the amplifiers, when you get up to 100 watts a channel and more, they get really expensive. So I went used, and I bought an, a late 80s Kenwood power amplifier. And um, uh, the world's different. <laughs> and it was when I first was a hi-fi hobbyist back in the 60s. They have these things called computers and the internet and digital music and CDs. And um, all of these use some, a component called a DAC, Digital Analog Converter. And um, all of the DACs that are built into your sound card or built into your CD players are the cheapest, terriblest DACs <laughs> you can get, basically. Um, because they they got to be a nickel, you know. Um, so... Uh, uh, I bought a shit deck. <laughs> That's been, I've been waiting for this. <laughs> well, it was the least expensive component. Um, but it wasn't inexpensive. It was $120. So. And um, I have the preamplifier. So since I got all this hooked up, once I had the deck and everything, um, I realized I needed a preamplifier, so I found a matching preamplifier. It's not the exact same model as the amplifier, but it's from the same family, and it's a Kenwood too. And um, when I get it in, I'm going to be able to put a turntable in here too. So um, uh, it's very um, excellent, high fidelity, addictive listening to it. I'm about halfway through the project or so, maybe a little less work-wise, but a little more than halfway through money-wise. So um, that's my geek agenda. Well, you were right. It was very, very geeky. <laughs> <laughs> How do you spell bought, that back, Dad? I bought Monoprice uh, speaker wire. $25 for 50 feet. Okay, what am, how do I spell what? Oh, S-C-H-I-I-T. I like it. It's the name of the country, company, and DAC is Digital Audio Converter. That, that first part was the only thing I understood in the whole conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it was spelled differently. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I know that word. <laughs> but then I didn't know that word. <laughs> <laughs> the deal with uh, the shit products is that they sell direct 
Now, high-end audio traditionally goes through dealers because people like to go to a showroom and listen, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but they sell direct because that whole um, uh, the uh, dealer margin and the distributor margin is like, well, it's almost half of the retail. You know what I'm saying? It's it, mm -hmm. so so they are able to make this product and sell it um, in the $100 range. Um, and ship it to you and everything direct from their factory and a very professional operation. And, uh, for half, half or a third of what you pay for most outboard digital audio converters. So yay shit. slightly broken now it's okay <laughs> uh, mom do you have a geek agenda <laughs> just go open it up to you come on what's your geek agenda what you been geeking about uh, what have i been geeking about yeah <laughs> hmm not much <laughs> <laughs> well you've been cooking sarah talked about cooking uh, apparently well, you've been I'm barely cooking. <laughs> <laughs> apparently what? I was about to say, apparently you've been listening to a lot of audio. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to find the perfect distance for sound. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is true. <laughs> and let me tell you, we're, we're less than six feet apart. <laughs> and every geeky thing he does is <laughs> on my little corner room. <laughs> She's a, she's been geeking out vicariously. <laughs> she likes it or not. Yeah, you only have to hear about the hi-fi once a month. She has to hear about it every day. <laughs> I understand that though, because I have a husband that geeks out about so many things at the same time, and 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 has the incessant need to include me on every one of them. <laughs> They all do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's not really geeking it if you're if you're not bouncing it off of somebody. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure I do the same to him. So <laughs> you know. Oh, I also get to get geeky with Megan too. <laughs> get geeky with it. No, 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 no. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> she said geeky, not freaky. <laughs> so let's go ahead and get into our main topic which probably would have been my geek agenda as well because since the last related geeks podcast i have started another podcast and a youtube series so i am all over this topic of audio and video production for the internet but I'm going to let Dad start us off because he is the one that suggested this topic. <laughs> okay, well, um, uh, let's see. i got to do some quick subtraction. <laughs> About 17 years ago, <laughs> I took early retirement. And uh, uh, kind of like now, I stayed at home all the time. Megan was there. I was. Yeah, yeah. 
And I started making YouTube videos. There were music videos that were two or three minutes long. And I made a whole gob of YouTube videos. So I was an early adopter. Before anyone ever heard of vlogging, I was vlogging. <laughs> so you, for a period of time, did a video a day, right? Yeah, or, you know, five or six a week. Okay. Yeah, basically a video a day. But the the important thing wasn't so much that it was a video a day, but that I got up in the morning and I wrote the song. Mm -hmm. The music, the guitar part, the lyrics, the arrangement. I arranged the song. I rehearsed the song. I put on a costume. I set up the stage, whether it was inside or outside. If it was inside, I adjusted the lights. I set up the microphones. I set up the video camera. I shot with one camera so there was no actual editing. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I also recorded separate audio because the separate audio was better quality than the audio on the video camera. And I choreographed because it was one camera. So instead of the camera moving and panning and zooming, I was moving in and around and essentially dancing or whatever. So when I had a guitar solo, I'd move my hands up in front of the uh, lens. Mm -hmm. And otherwise, I'd back off to my X, so to speak. And then at the end of it, I would always zoom in by coming close with my face and give a big grin. That was <laughs> my trademark for ending my videos. So I, um, and, and I only had dial-up. So, Those were so dark times. I would, I would make a, I would make a video. I'd, I'd get up, say eight, start at eight, and sometimes ten or eleven. Sometimes it took a little longer, but in other words, I would do all those things: write the song, rehearse the song, arrange the song, costume myself, set up the lights, set up the microphones, set up the uh, video camera, uh, do takes until I was satisfied with the quality of the performance and then go to my computer do the video production do the audio production <coughs> title screens credit scenes and all that and then it would be two or three hours later so it's all about workflow um, uh, with video production um, because it can really turn into a lot of work mm -hmm. uh, it's typically um, you know, to do like uh, one hour of video, typically it can take a hundred hours or more of production time. Obviously, I was doing like two to three minute songs in two to three hours. Not too bad. And then uh, um, I would upload them. And usually by the next morning, they were already uploaded. And the thing is, it's, uh, I didn't just upload to YouTube. I felt like, you know, there's a bunch of them, so I'll just upload to all of them. And I finally found an online service that did that for you. You uploaded to the online service, and then it shot your videos out everywhere. So that was uh, uh, late 90s video logging. My um, history was... Videos on the internet actually goes several years back before that because John Kirst and I had a site called tvsoup.com. It was my site, but John was helping me with it. And uh, 
Um, so it was a social network where you could upload videos and watch them. You know, of course, the technology wasn't there. Most of the videos we got submitted were about the size of a postage stamp or 240 by 360 was pretty good in those days, you know. And, uh, um, but, um, I mean, John, Chris, and I clearly had the future in mind and I had our hands wrapped around it in mid-90s, 94, 95. So what I will say, because you mentioned that you specifically tried to do most of your editing in camera, um, if you are interested in getting into video or audio production and you want to make a heavily produced project, you have to make sure that you really, really, really enjoy editing before you start doing that. Because <laughs> even if you really, really, really enjoy editing, it's still really a long process and at times an incredibly frustrating process. I don't know that anybody enjoys editing. <laughs> they just dislike it less. Uh, <laughs> I enjoy editing. I will say I enjoy editing. I find it very absorbing. Uh, yeah. I really, uh, get into a video editing project the same way as I get into audio production. Mm -hmm. it, however, it's definitely time consuming and it definitely takes a lot of software setup, a lot of planning, a lot of computer upgrades, etc. Yeah. To, to get to a place where you can do some do a project reasonably quickly. Um, now, um, I don't do a lot of in-camera editing, but I do like the one-camera technique. If you, like, I didn't have a cameraman, so I put it on, on a tripod. Um, uh, I also like the one-camera technique when you're shooting events or whatever, if you can use the handheld tripod held camera and you just got to be real careful you've always got a shot you know because every shot there is going to be used mm -hmm. especially if it's music you know because you can't really um and uh um then the other thing you can do um if you're doing uh, is take some b-roll what's called uh at uh music videos at blues fest i would use the audience i would always you know want to have a lot of audience shots which I could shoot when they were applauding some other song. You know what I'm saying? Um, and uh, um, then if there was a, a, sh a place in the video where the there was just nothing, nothing was usable, I could always insert an audience shot in post. Um, uh, but I like doing uh, two and three camera simultaneous. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, one pass through and two or three cameras going. And um, especially if there's two videographers, but even two tripod ones and one videographer. Um, and uh, not give away all my tricks, but there's often a lead singer in a band. And um, especially if the lead singer is a guitarist, so he's not grabbing the mic and walking around with it. Um, uh, that microphone's on a stand right there in the center. So you can have a pretty good close-up on that mic, you know, and because you don't, you don't ever want to miss 
any part of that part where that lead singer is singing. You know, and so I will dedicate a mic just to a close-up on the lead singer. And when he's not singing and he backs away, that cra- that shot may be crap. I may be able to set it up so there's a bass player or a drummer that you can see, you know. But uh, um, I'd rather have the crap shot than uh, and the unusable footage than to have one time when that singer starts to sing and I don't have a camera on him. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I mentioned having two new projects and both of them don't require me doing any filming um, or very minimal filming. I did a single shot of my cat in my last video, but my video series that I just started is about indie video games. So I'm using footage from video games and not footage of myself or of anything else. But previously I'd done reading vlogs, which was all about filming and making sure that you had good footage to use. And if you didn't have good footage, then it was a nightmare when it came time to make the video. Yeah. Uh, and, and something like that, you know, you can use uh, images, you know, pictures of the book or, or uh, picture nature shots that are similar to scenes from the book or something. But it is really um, um, one of those things is that you got to have, you got to have stuff going the whole time. You can't have just a black screen. Uh, if you have a black screen for two seconds, people think it's broke. Because it is. <laughs> um, I specifically edit in black screens on mine. So do you um, record your video game footage with uh, OBS? Yes. Cool. I was wondering about that. Yeah. Software-wise, I use OBS for all of my screen capture and my audio recordings, and then um, I use DaVinci Resolve for editing both my podcast and my video series um, I've been using DaVinci for. Uh, what I've done, so I've, I've started a Buffy the Vampire Slayer rewatch podcast with my friend Kimberly, um, and... It, the first episode we just did, um, like talking heads, basically, it was just us talking and then I edited it all together. The second time, um, I've started, uh, editing in lines from the show. Cause a lot of times we would reference a specific line from the show. And so I would just take that quote from the episode and play the, the sound clip of the actual actor giving that line of dialogue and doing that in DaVinci Resolve is so nice because I can have that episode that we're discussing that week loaded up and then just snag that snippet of the episode that I want the audio from and pull it into the timeline. And it's made it super easy to do it that way. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Finding the right tools and having that right tool chain and the right set of procedures that, so you understand all the steps and you become a carpenter, you nail on that board and then you go cut the next board and then you nail on that board and you, you know, so you're always on to the next step, mm-hmm. never scratching your head about well, what do I do next? Cause uh, that's the only way you get through the things in a timely fashion. Yeah. That being said, I mean, I edited the entire podcast today and it took me about six hours straight um, but it was like over a two hour recording cause we don't know when to shut up. <laughs> so, 
it was a process and I added that extra layer of, oh, I want to add audio files to it. And then I guess, I guess, Carl, I do like editing because I was just like, this is already going to take forever. You know what I'm going to do? Add stuff to make it take longer. It'll, it'll, it'll lose its charm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I I think. No, you first. I was going to say, I definitely record my videos to where I have to do minimal, minimal editing. But like, like what Megan was saying, I'm mostly talking head in my videos. So um, occasionally I have to throw in a picture and very occasionally I'll have to like cut out part of it, splice another video clip into it. And that's about as technical as I get. Yeah, but you're doing the right thing there by figuring out how to minimize the number of edits you need to make. So you're thinking, I, I really oh. try to do everything in one type, one take. I will record twice. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> if, What's wrong with that? It is definitely not my favorite thing to do. And I do, I mean, I do all my editing. I, I record on my phone. I do all my editing on my phone. So I'm, I'm sure that that has some bearing on how much I enjoy it. I mean, the phone, the phone program, the app I use is, is phenomenal, but I'm sure it's easier on a computer. Which uh, app are you using? I am using Kinemaster. K-I-N-E-M-A-S-T-E-R. Okay, well, I've, I've done a little bit of video editing on a phone and didn't like it. But I have a tape recorder program on my Androids. Um, and uh, it's a buy once and run on any Android you got. And... Um, it's excellent. I can do editing and all that right on the phone, you know, audio editing. I can't do multi-track or anything like that, but I can record something and then clip stuff out or decide, you know, trim it, all that. And that's that's really cool um, being able to do stuff on the phone. But I do think uh, uh, at least a laptop console would make video editing a lot easier. Yeah, unfortunately, the, the frame rate that my phone records at I've tried editing on the computer, and if I have any sort of cuts or anything like that, then my sync is off. So, yeah, um, what you would have to do is convert, um, usually using a program like called FFmpeg. Yeah, I I mean the software is pretty good. I mean if and and like I said, you you know, I mean there's a lot of free too, so special effects it's it's very possible i just don't yeah i think even on the free account there's some free assets but yeah the the, the whole thing is is that i really try to do everything in is... <laughs> i mean you might you know if you got set up, yeah. yeah if i if i really spent some time with it and got good at it i might enjoy it more also the kind of video i do doesn't really lend itself to that mm-hmm. so like I said, inserting a picture or, you know, putting a clip of something I've done in the past, uh, you know, in between my take is fine. I can do that. I can have I can have layers on my video. So with yeah. this software phone, so I'm happy with it. I'm happy with not putting in the extra work. Yeah. <laughs> I have no problem with that. <laughs> yeah, and I think ninety percent of getting comfortable or uh enjoying editing more is finding the software that works for you because there's a lot of different kinds and there's 
I mean, what I'm using is fairly robust, but if you don't need all those extra features, it's really nice to have just a really simple, clean editor that's going to run a lot smoother and not give you as many chances to heck up your project. Because I have had some experiences, like I said, editing can be very frustrating where I've gotten so far into a video production and realized that I've completely messed up another section of my video and had to redo it. So it is very possible to be in that scenario. <laughs> Carl, did you have something you wanted to add? I, um, I think what we've touched on so far has been wise the the best steps you can take to make the creative process uh, work for you is to plan it. Uh, and planned creation uh, doesn't make a lot of sense because there's this there's this I I mean this is all art. Podcasts are art. YouTube videos are art. And there's this artist type of personality where we just want to create and we just want to make things and and um. The, the rigid structure of planning something out, you know, would seem like it would siphon that. But you really help yourself if you say, we're going to record for an hour on our podcast. And so editing isn't a nightmare or, uh, you know, script or plan your video to some extent. And, and, and there's something to be said for that punk rock aesthetic of like one take, let's do it. What we get is what we get. But then stick to that. And, and either way, you can produce a lot of content with either of those structures what uh pitfalls i've fallen into in the past is where i'll record early early on and, and save or die uh you know me and crispy would would dovetail and have a side conversation and so our 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 podcast recording overall was like three hours long but there was only like an hour of podcast in there. You know, it was just, it was, we would kind of like get off on some other tangent. Um, so uh, uh, we had to make the conscious decision of like, let's do the podcast, stop recording, and then we can chat. <laughs> That's fine. But we had to, um, we had to make those steps. And I think the more structure you can provide for a project like a podcast, which really, thrives on regular release uh youtube is the same way it's it consistency is is much more important than quality quality matters but consistency is king so mm -hmm. um when you are creating something like that for consumption it is best to be able to produce a lot of it um, even in, to the point of having a backlog that doesn't work with every kind of, of, of creation. Obviously, if you're a current events type thing, you want to talk about what's going on now, you can't really have a backlog, but if you are, uh, you know, doing a rewatch podcast, you can have a backlog. You could have five episodes kind of done and ready to go before you release anything. Uh, and you can get ahead on recording as well. Now, the, um, you know, the issue that you may face is we're in a rapidly changing world. I had I, I felt obligated to put a, uh, a stinger at the beginning of a, a podcast on the Crusader, uh, another podcast I'm on, 
where I was just like, hey, we recorded this a long time ago. It was a different world. Who knows what's going to happen? Because <laughs> we were talking about being out of the game stores and stuff, and it just it's not what we were doing once that podcast was released. So uh, uh, I think I think those two components, either if you're you either do it punk rock style like Sarah, punk rock Sarah, we call her, um, where <laughs> you just you get the recording in, you upload it and you're done. And that's how you get those fast releases out. Or you make a plan and say, we record for an hour, uh, make the editing lighter, uh, have a plan, have a topic, have a structure for our show planned out or a video planned out. Script your video if you want. I mean, I know some people are majorly against scripting YouTube videos because this is YouTube and it's, well, I, I don't know if that even exists anymore. I don't know if YouTube really cares anymore. There's so much commercial stuff on YouTube now. But um, uh, yeah, so I think either of those approaches will help you release fast content. Mm-hmm. Now I do, I do have notes usually. I find I do much better if I'm like, these are the things I want to talk about. I don't script it, but I'm definitely likely to forget something I wanted to talk about mm-hmm. if I don't have a, a list of those things. And consistency is my biggest downfall. I am not consistent, but I'm also doing this more for me than for other people, especially my cross-stitch videos. That mm. is so much more a record for myself. Um, I I am not out there promoting myself like a lot of other um, floss tubers do uh, because I'm happy to just grow organically, even mm-hmm. if it's super slow because I'm not super consistent. And that's the other thing is I don't want to go advertise myself and then be two months without a video because that's how I do. Well, and to be clear, I don't follow my own advice either. We're not not all of my shows are very consistent either. It's still good advice. Consistency oh, still is advice, king. And but. it's something that I always say I'm going to do, and it doesn't happen. <laughs> so, well, and what Sarah touched on the idea of she does cross stitch more for herself than for any other reason is that if you find a topic or a particular hobby or whatever the case may be that you want to talk about that you're very passionate about it makes it a whole lot easier like uh buffy is my favorite show of all time and it's kimberly's favorite show of all time and yeah we're we're just resigned to the fact that we're gonna have really long episodes uh but we're both so excited about that we really love discussing this show and it's something that we enjoy to the point that it doesn't really bother us to commit that time to do it. And there are listeners that want to listen to two hours about Buffy every time you put out a video too, or a podcast too. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure there's <laughs> the Buffy fandom is intense, man. But I mean, I used to listen to a podcast all the time. That was three hours long. That was their scheduled time. Carl talked about scheduling time. There are some podcasts that schedule three-hour-long podcasts. Now, they were live podcasts, and they just were, you know, that punk rock method of <laughs> you get what you get. Whatever comes out of our mouths is what you get. Um, but Yeah, I'm not that punk rock. I still edit if I need to. <laughs> You're punk rock with notes. <laughs> <laughs> it's close enough. It counts. But um, it's interesting because... I was talking to Kimberly about it and she was just like, I know nothing about podcasts. And I was just like, 
cool, that's fine. I was like, I know a little bit about podcasts. I've done a few. And then after I released the first episode, I was talking to her about some other podcasts. Um, and she was like, no, you don't understand. When I say I know nothing about podcasts, the only podcast that I have listened to to this point is our first episode. <laughs> wow. So <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and she's doing great. Like, oh, it's, sure. it's a topic she loves. And that's, I mean, podcasts shouldn't really be intimidating um, if it's a topic that you love. And, you know, you're going to you're going to want to talk about it. Yeah. Authenticity in the uh, presentation and, um, you know, all that um, excitement that all the podcasters portray so well is much more important than any technical issue, as long as the technical issue doesn't make it impossible to listen. You know? Yeah. I mean, but... Uh, well, I, I found out about that, the sync issue I had because my um, DCC-related podcast, which I am absolutely terrible at doing anything with, um, or vlog or whatever you want to call it, um, my sync was so bad in my second video. I think my first video was one take, so it didn't matter. But then I tried to edit my second video on a computer. The sync was so bad. I took it down and re-uploaded it, re-edited it on my phone and mm -hmm. re-uploaded it because it was that terrible. So I lost a lot of views and I lost a lot of comments on that. But that was fine because, to me, having watchable content was more important at that point. So something else that you have to get comfortable with if you're going to be producing content that you are in, so a podcast that you are one of the members of or a vlog or whatever the case may be, you have to get really used to editing yourself and understanding that you might try to fall into the trap of over-editing yourself and trying to make yourself sound smarter or cleaner or whatever you're trying to do. Um, but I had a case today where I was editing for the podcast and it was clear I was trying to say expendable or disposable or one of those, but I combined the words to dispendable. Um, and you're just going to run into stuff like that all the time. <laughs> and you just, you got to accept that you will have really awkward clips occasionally in your final product um, if you're going to keep any of the integrity of the full section of whatever you're working on, and especially if, if it's off the cuff. And if you're smart, you will keep those awkward parts in the final product. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that is the whole show. Like, unless it's like, whatever, you're trying to, you know, you know, if it's a radio play or something, you know, that's a totally different approach. You know, but if it's just a conversation podcast, those little hiccups like that are gold. Like mm -hmm. they're they're what you want in just a conversation. That's the thing people like and remember, and not even remember honestly, because <laughs> the thing about making content uh, uh, for the internet is nobody remembers what they listened to a week ago. Like yeah. it's just what's happening now. That's all that matters. What you're doing now. <laughs> Like yeah. <laughs> what you did uh, back then, very, very rarely uh, does that uh, even come up in conversation. It's it's about what's going on right now. Mm -hmm. The bonus to doing video over audio only is that when you do say 
kind of dumb things like that, you can put text over it that says, obviously, I meant this. <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> you're still that way. I am. <laughs> so I have, I have maybe done that once or twice. Yeah. It's easy <laughs> to um, fall into that trap of being in like frozen in that space of re-listening to your yourself and being like, oh man, I want to scrap this whole thing because I we don't adhere to the way language should work. <laughs> we make up words, we flub up, we we get confused and stutter, and it's all natural conversation stuff. But when you're listening to it recording. And you're just like, ah, oh, my, I should be editing this to make it sound better. Mm-hmm. And you get, you get stuck in a rabbit hole real fast. Sometimes I listen to the way I explained something and I hear it and I go, how did I expect anybody to understand this? <laughs> <laughs> my intent at all? <laughs> like, what? and I'm, I, yeah. I mean, a lot of people consider me fairly articulate and a good orator, and uh, I just, I mean, I listen to myself, I'm like, is this the Um You Know show? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Um You Know with Carl, where he says, Um You Know, 4,000 times, which is cool. <laughs> also my story. <laughs> my, my husband suggested turning my... um my floss tube into a drinking game where you take a drink every time I say um <laughs> would not be healthy <laughs> but I'm not the only one that does it it's a, yeah. it's a common thing yeah and and like I and, said I do it more for me than the people so yeah and most of the time if I am watching somebody else or listening to another podcast I don't notice that at all right. like after right. I edited my first podcast for uh, the Buffy podcast called flunking the written though i I haven't i haven't said that once flunking the written uh buffy the vampire slayer podcast um the 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 first time i was done editing that i was just like oh i had to edit out so many ums and then i went and listened to another podcast that i listened to regularly and noticed that there's just ums everywhere because people um all the time and you don't really process it unless you're like specifically looking for things to cut out Mm mm-hmm yeah, once you develop that ear for editing, you you listen to everything differently, um, or or even speak on a podcast. Once you once you start thinking of it as this thing you create, anytime you peek behind the curtain a little bit, it changes your perspective on the art form itself. Um, I think another thing to keep in mind is 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 nobody cares about <laughs> anything except themselves, so. There's some freedom in that, right? You can say something really silly, and you go, ah, oh, remember that time I said something really silly? No, they don't. Nobody does. Nobody remembers <laughs> but you. You're the only person who knows about the silly thing you said on that show two years ago or whatever it was, you know? Uh, so just create the art and let people consume it, and they will enjoy it the way they can enjoy it, and uh, they probably won't bring up the silly thing you said two years ago on the podcast. <laughs> I'm going to take this um moment to explain why audio editing is so much easier than video editing. <laughs> if you got a video where you got a shot of talking ahead of yourself and you go on um, this and on um, that and you want to take them out, man, that's tough. You can record over them with silence, but then you still then you got these awkward pauses. 
And if you edit the video, then you've got jump cuts and a bunch of them. But with audio, you can just take those ums right out and you can't even tell they were ever there in the first place. And it's so quick and easy to do. And I leave a lot of them in, you know. But if I got five seconds of um, 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 you know, it's a, mm-hmm. you know. Well, most of the time when I'm editing it out, it's because it is um, before and after the um is a whole lot of just dead silence. Because what happens is somebody starts a sentence um, and then they finish the sentence. Yeah. Well, I, I, don't edit I, that I, out. That was that was there for for people's educational purposes. That's an important um. Here's the wild thing: I did not say um very often until I started podcasting, because knowing that we are recording this, allowing that um lets me know, lets the other person know on the other side of the podcast. I'm not finished with this thought. I'm just trying to find it and I want to get it recorded. And so mm-hmm. now I've started saying um in real life because I use it as a as a cue while podcasting. Whereas before I started podcasting, I did not say um all that often in conversation. Okay. So that's interesting to me because I think that I say um, a lot more on video when I'm just recording by myself than I do when I'm on a podcast type situation with other people. Hmm. Okay. I've got a pro tip for editing out those ums that Megan was talking about. You pause, you go, um, you pause, so then you pick up the sentence. Okay. If you edit that um out, and leave no space in there, it doesn't sound right because you come Mm -hmm. to a pause and you can hear that they picked up, but there's no... But if you take the um out and leave just even a tenth of a second in there, then it makes that pause be replace the um. Mm -hmm. You can tell there's a moment for thought, you know, but that um's gone. And it also, besides getting rid of the um, you've made your podcast a second or two shorter. Yeah. Which for everyone to out. <laughs> well, and the thing is, like, it's not even necessarily the pause for thought as so much as the rhythm of speech. Because yeah. you can tell when we go, um, we're releasing air and resetting a little bit. And then we pick up again. And you can hear that pick up. And that that pick up doesn't happen typically right at the end of a sentence or at the end of, of another word. It it sounds very natural if you leave a little bit of space mm-hmm. in there. So that's just an audio editing tip. And the thing about audio editing compared to video editing is that even with music, you can cut out whole courses, you can fix notes, you can do all kinds of stuff with with audio editing, and you can do it real carefully, and no one will ever can it. You can do it where you can't even hear it if you play it back yeah. the next day. Um, but with video, you can't do that. If you got a music passage where the guy plays a bad solo, you can take that out, but you got to be on another shot, you know, or you'll see that his hand jumps. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Jump cuts don't make it on concert footage. Right. It's a different thing. Yeah. yeah. If, if it's a vlog, 90% of your audience does not care about jump cuts at all. Yeah. I think the jump cuts are fine on vlogs. 
it's almost um, uh, a a common technique in mm-hmm. vlogs is the jump cut. Yeah, it's almost Which part of the art form now. It's how it's recognized. Yes, yes. but um, when you take video production at school, if you ever have a jump cut anywhere, and you just drop the letter grade, <laughs> yeah. so it's a sin in professional production, but it's great in vlogs. I will yeah, mention. I'm not a fan of them, and I try to avoid them as much as possible. But even I have been with my one take thing. I've had a few in my videos. It's right. happened. Speaking of all these ums and pauses, there are tools in editing software. Uh, that will find moments of silence and truncate them for you. I've never had good results out of these. I don't suggest using them, even if it makes the workload a lot easier. It, it, it just, they never feel natural. The, the, the way they edit out the, the silence does not, does not, it doesn't have any like consideration of the way conversation flows so mm-hmm. it always sounds really unnatural and sometimes it messes with the audio it'll drop out audio or kind of fade out and fade in audio uh so i would i would avoid those yeah one trick i have my own audio editing trick that i'm gonna add now is similar to what dad said with the slight pause uh when you're when you're breaking up a sentence for thought uh on that kind of more up second part of the sentence that Carl was talking about, you can also just add a slight fade to that to take down that drasticness. Mm -hmm. And it does seem more like a continuation of a sentence. It's a little bit more of a, of an effort than the pause. But if the pause just isn't really working for you, or you think it breaks up the rhythm for some reason, that's another trick that you can use. And I use that more because Sometimes people will start a sentence and then kind of like mispronounce some stuff and then say the sentence again or just kind of stumble over their words and then they'll complete the sentence on a second breath. But Mm -hmm. the part of the sentence that they had to complete doesn't really naturally have a pause to it. So you're talking about a fade in? Yeah, just a little slight fade in, I've noticed, can help with making that feel a little bit more natural. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, responding to Carl's point about the automatic white space removal, when you are editing a podcast, you pretty much want to leave it the way it was. I mean, it's a podcast. It's not, like Carl says, a radio play. Um, Yeah. you pretty much want to leave it as it is. So you're just going through and finding places to fix, or you're listening through and hopefully you don't find anything that needs fixed and you just put it out. But when you find a place that needs fixed, then you have to make a decision. What stays in, what goes out, how much goes out, how much stays in and you fix it. And then you always back up a second or two and listen to that flow, you know, and mm-hmm. you can always undo if you got it wrong. You know, usually it's just a matter of taking something out or something. You get it right. And you go on. You just listen and listening to find the next thing that's serious enough that you feel like you ought to fix. Yes. Um, which, of course, is not every. Um, I will also say be wary of over editing the front end of your podcast because inevitably you'll have fatigue as you move on through that podcast. 
and you'll have a really like tight over edited front half and then your back half is just gonna be that's a lot fine. more pauses and stuff like that that's all half I, the people listen to anyway i think yeah <laughs> right. they, they tune they tune out by the time you get to the unedited portions uh, i was probably going to say that same thing too so. <laughs> all right here's my one weird tip for podcasting editing my this one weird trick that audio engineers hate click here um so uh uh edit at a sped up pace you can uh, take your podcast editor, your sound editor, and most likely you can play back your audio at a faster tempo. And everybody will sound like chipmunks, but you will get through <laughs> the editing process a lot faster. And and that works after you have a standard procedure. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's also the problem with someone who over-edits at the front like Megan was talking about. That's because they're still working on their procedure. They haven't developed their standard procedure. So if you, you know, by the time you do these same three people um, and you're editing the third or fourth podcast, you know, you know how to fix everything, you know, and then you can do it fast if you want. And it'll, because those decisions are really made in advance. Mm -hmm. And also know that as you podcast, if this is your first time also just like being on a podcast, you'll get, better with the flow and recognizing and it's always different depending on who you're doing the podcast with and kind of recognizing when to jump in and when to step back and finding the rhythm with your co-hosts uh but understand that the first couple of episodes that you record together are probably going to have a lot more awkward pauses and stumbling over each other than you'll get eventually it just takes time to kind of get that rhythm between the different co-hosts So on video production, I have started a new series that is very heavily produced, and it is essentially five mini reviews of indie video games every episode, and each review takes like a minute to two minutes tops, and... I really appreciate this format because it's kind of like dad was talking about with his shorter music videos is that I can get one of those knocked out in a single editing session and feel a sense of accomplishment to get one of those sections of this longer video. The video in, in its entirety is usually about 10 minutes long so far at least. And uh, the each individual segment I really like ticking boxes. I have accomplished stuff. So if I get that out of the five reviews done, oh, I've got two out of the five reviews done. I feel like I'm accomplished, even though I'm only two fifths of the way through my video and not even really that because I have an intro and an outro. And I think that that's one way to see a lot of other ways to do it. Like if you do scripted video, you write, you write your script. That's a, that's an achievement right there. If you do podcasts, you get the podcast recorded and you get it loaded up and ready to start editing. That's that's the first step. Step That's an achievement right there. Trick is to not get so bogged down by the fact that your project isn't done or that the project overall takes 10 hours to produce or longer, whatever it may be, depending on the project you're working on. Uh, try to find those little achievements along the way that's going to get you excited and, and feeling accomplished 
because I have the habit of getting run down real fast if I feel like, oh, I've been editing forever and I still don't have a product. I don't have a final thing to show anybody. Yeah, um, I've been enjoying your uh, Indie 5. Uh, the production quality is really top-notch and your narration is uh, dynamite. You speak quickly and precisely. So do you write an entire script and read it into mm-hmm. a microphone? You do that first yes. and then edit, edit around that? That's what yes. I thought. Yeah. And it's, a- it's really brilliant because doing it this way, as soon as I finish a game or get to a point in a game where I feel like I can write that section, I can write that section. And it takes you know, a few minutes, 10 to 15 minutes to write out my thoughts. And then I have that section of the script. So it's, it's sectioned off in such a way that no part of it is really dependent on any other parts being done for me to work on that. So whatever I'm interested in doing that day, if I'm interested in, Oh, I want to play some games for the next episode, then I can do that. Oh, if I want to write a script for the game I just played, I can do that. Oh, I need to do some audio recording. Oh, I want to do some video editing. It's all sectioned off in a way that whatever process I want to do that day, whatever part of it I want to work on, there's a good chance I can start working on that. And when do you decide, now I'm going to record the screen of the gameplay? Uh, I always, um, what I normally do is I play the game a little bit first to see if it's one that I think I'm going to play enough to be worth my time. And then I always try to capture early footage um, first and foremost, because I don't want to, I don't want to reveal too much about the game. I don't want to give all of the end game spoilers, Um, but it just depends on what the game is because some games are an hour long experience and I might record the entire hour and some games are very repetitive and you only need like a half hour of footage to basically show everything the game has to offer uh, as far as what, for my purposes, of a short minute and a half review. Another is, advantage Another advantage of using early footage is that someone who watches your review and then goes and plays the game will immediately feel at home, oh, yeah, this is the, this mm-hmm. is what I thought I might like or whatever. Yeah. They get to that part where the footage is. Instead of sitting there playing and saying, this is crap, when's it going to get to that good part that I saw yeah. on the video? And inevitably, there are times where once I have it, where I've started doing the video editing portion, I've gotten all the audio recorded and edited down and start applying video to it. I'll I'll have a scratch pad next to me to, and make notes of, oh, I would like a clip of this because I talk about this in my narration and I don't have a good clip of it. And you just go back to the game and, and try to find something that will work. But it's not even so much showing exactly like the, the, the video footage doesn't really have to match the, the narration uh, to, to convey the message. Sometimes it's more important than other times. Yes. Yeah. On your first one, you, you were discussing several levels and learning skills, and then you get to this tough level near the end and you have to use all those skills. Well, there you kind of had to have the right, it had to be that right level. Mm -hmm. It didn't hang. Yeah. Okay. Um, Sarah, do you have something? Something that I'd like to talk about mainly because I'm terrible at it. And I feel like other people here are better at it than I am is branding. Because while my floss tube channel is not necessarily something I do for other people, I do have a channel um, 
my DCC channel that I'm definitely more interested in and getting an audience if I ever can make myself record videos on a regular basis, <laughs> which I know is mm -hmm. a big part of it. But like, I mean, my floss tube channel, it's Sarah Brown. It's hard to market that anyway, because I haven't taken the time to actually assign an easily searchable name for it. But my thanks to thanks to Carl, I have an awesome name for my DCC channel. Um, he, he helped me with that. And um, I just I have a hard time knowing how to to market it and how to feel comfortable with that. Maybe mm -hmm. is the big thing. <laughs> Well, it's always a little bit difficult. I don't know about always because I've only done it once. But um, you know, when you're when you're creating content for a product that you don't own the identity of, that's uh, there's a little bit of a a little bit of a stumbling block there because, like, I'm on the Crusader. I love Castles and Crusades. I haven't done any work on Castles and Crusades. I've never, you know, I mean, I've, I I play it and I run it, and it's a good game. That's my relationship with it as a product. Um, so yeah, you know, same you, with me. right? And so, like, you have to just approach it as, as the idea of like, I am an enthusiast of this thing, and that's that's all I'm approaching it with. And the problem with that is that once you denote that this podcast or vlog or whatever is so specific in its scope, it's about this one tabletop RPG, then you will only pull in an audience of experts, typically speaking, um, or possibly an audience of total new people. Like, that's about it. Um, so, like, the problem with that is your audience of experts will want your product to be a very expert-based product. They know everything about this already, and they're digging for more. And that's why they're listening to your podcast or your vlog. And that creates this dichotomy of 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 where there's I guess it's almost an adversarial type thing where 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 if you get something wrong, they really want to get on the horn and say, Hey, 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 that's not correct. And I think the right approach as the creator of that content is to ask for that and welcome it. Is to say, Hey, yeah. Correct me if I get this wrong. Please write in. Please email me. Please whatever. Please let me know. Please comment. Whatever. Please let me know what I get wrong. And then um, illustrate it. Uh, uh, show it in the next episode. Say, okay, hey, we got wow. something wrong last time. Let's talk about it here. Um, yeah, I have definitely, in the videos I have posted, have been like, I am not an expert on this. This is just something I cared a lot about. And there's not a lot of um, YouTube content out there mm -hmm. on the particular you know topic so uh yeah and i think that's why sometimes i have a hard time getting in there and actually shooting the video is because i i feel like i'm not an expert and and what am i doing talking about this even though i enjoy it immensely yeah yeah that the imposter syndrome uh, stalks us all uh and <laughs> and uh it's one of those things that you just have to realize that nobody actually deserves anything. 
So <laughs> when you realize that, I have a lot of cheery messages about creating art. <laughs> one of them is that no one cares about your situation. They only care about themselves. And the other one is that no one deserves anything. So any any heaps and lumps of praise that anybody gets uh, is fake is is false to some degree you know nobody's nobody's superior for knowing something or or speaking about something well it's just you're creating something that somebody likes to consume that's all it is and uh and that's my ultimate goal is that i create something that people enjoy watching but mm -hmm. Well, and speaking from a viewer's perspective, I would much rather watch someone who's enthusiastic about what they're talking about than someone who's just super knowledgeable but doesn't really have that excitement around it. And I I think, you know, no matter how into something you are, there's going to be somebody who knows better than you. Even if what you say is accurate, they're still going to know better than you. So you just got to accept the fact that that's part of posting things on the Internet. Well, and oh, yeah. the other part of that is the people that uh, uh, know better. And I mean, I, I don't mean that as like a quote unquote, like whatever. Like there are people who definitely know more about mm -hmm. uh, Castles and Crusades or they definitely know more about basic Dungeons and Dragons or what other, uh, you know, other topic I might be talking about, you know, on whatever I'm talking about it on. But they don't necessarily have the ability to convey those ideas or they also don't necessarily have the concept of how much work goes into creating yeah. this media. And so, yeah. and I, and I mean, that's not me like saying like, how dare they? I'm just saying they don't necessarily realize that you spent six hours, you know, trying to get this thing together and, and recorded. And I mean, like the amount of total time you put into it. And so they think of it as we just sat down and started chatting and, you know, uh, they're just releasing this and, and whatever. Um, so, mm -hmm. so in their mind, it's, it's okay to say, oh man, this really bummed me out because they don't even necessarily think of the amount of work that went into it. Uh, you know, so if they, if they, if they really dog on it, you got to understand that sometimes that comes from a place of not really understanding the amount of production that goes into just a conversation essentially. Yeah. I had an idea earlier this year on how I was going to, I was going to do a, a series of which I did one episode of and then got scared of it, <laughs> I guess, is the best way of putting it. And it's hard, especially, I'd still like to do the series, but it's hard because it's been three months, I think, since I did that one episode. And I'm like, I don't even know how to go back in to. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't matter because all yeah. that matters is what's happening now. Because okay. you'll release one and then release one next week and release one next week or whatever. Uh, and the fact that there was that weird three-month gap won't matter in yeah. three months from now. You know, it won't, it won't, it's barely worth addressing. It, okay. It's just, just here's the next video and here's the next one. Here's the next one. The, the consistency is what ramps you up now. Um, yeah, that makes sense. And another thing to note is that your your quality is going to improve over time if you have some level of consistency. Mm -hmm. um, if you if you focus so much on quality, you're gonna get bogged down and never release stuff. But if you just consistently release stuff, your quality will improve naturally as as you continue to release stuff because you'll learn tricks, you'll get faster, you'll you'll 
understand the process better and get that workflow going to where you can release a quality product every time, whatever your version of that quality product is. And just be aware, people don't really go back and like watch your early work. Like if you get a following, um, a lot of times it's because of a specific video or podcast that triggered that following. And then people pick up from where they found you and start watching or listening from that point on. Very small percentage of people actually go back and watch through your entire backlog because that takes a lot of time. And typically speaking, it's the style that you got to at that point that they're interested in Mm -hmm. and want to continue watching forward from that point. So just release stuff and understand, like I have my Indie 5 is on the same channel that all of my reading vlogs are, and I'm not going to do any reading vlogs anytime, but I'm just going to leave them on the channel. They're there. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. My floss tip channel still has some scrapbooking stuff on it, and I'm not not taking it down because somebody might still be interested in that, but certainly not what I'm doing now. Sure. Another advantage to your, even though it is game specific, is it's DC with a energized fan base and a company that works with its um yeah yeah the, its players and its its game masters this and uh, that that builds an audience a lot faster than anything the yeah, single greatest fan base <laughs> that's my that's my take on it the single greatest <laughs> fan base in tabletop role playing games I tell you, there there is a there is a pretty rabid community around Dungeon Crawl. I am Classic. a I am a fan <laughs> of Dungeon Crawl Classic fans. <laughs> the game's fine, it's and okay, it's, but <laughs> the fans. It's honestly part of what attracts me to the system is because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go to a convention and everybody's family. You know, I mean, it's just like the first time I went to Gen Con, I went. Well, the only time I've been to Gen Con, I went by myself, but. I was never alone. <laughs> there were always people that were, you know, there. I mean, it was, I was either running a game or at the bar hanging out with people or in my room with other DCC people because they put us up in a hotel room together. I mean, it was, mm-hmm. it was like being around people I'd known forever, even though I had met them all face to face for the first time that weekend. So it was. Yeah, but you all played the same weird game. Yep. <laughs> And we talked online a lot because of the G plus community that existed around the game. So I'm going to propose we do something real quick. It's a round robin style of one quick piece of advice that we would want to give to anybody who's looking at starting a audio or video production. And then we wrap up our podcast because we understand how long editing takes and we <laughs> need to stop at an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> So, so Carl, what's what's a piece of advice that you give anybody looking to start? Be mindful of the other person in the room when you record your podcast, and that other person is the audience. Mm-hmm. If there, if you get caught in this trap of thinking that it's okay for you to just be having a a personal conversation with your pals, then schedule a phone call. Don't schedule a podcast, and. And and the and the reason I say that is because you are creating a consumable thing and it's it's consumability, which I believe is a word, um, 
will be affected by just the simple acknowledgement of we are talking for an audience, not necessarily to an audience, Mm -hmm. but we are talking for an audience. And if you keep that in mind, your show will improve because of it. Awesome. Dad? Audio is easier than video. (laughs) I know a lot of people think they can just hold their phone up and do a selfie and talk into it. Video is more work. It'll be a lot more work. So if you're trying to decide whether to do a podcast or a vlog, do a podcast first. Learn that much anyway. And then if you also want to move on into video, do that too. Sarah? I guess just if you're interested in doing it, research it and do it. It's not that hard. I can do it. So, (laughs) you know, if there's something you're interested enough in that you want to put yourself out there, it's, um, it's rewarding, even if you're not sure what you're doing. And I guess my piece of advice, which has been hinted at, um, but especially when picking a topic, first and foremost, pick something that you're passionate about. But if you can find something that you're passionate about that is also a niche that has an audience that may not have content out there, you're going to feel the, the, the fan following and feel more fulfilled overall if you kind of latch on to something that maybe isn't as represented. You know, you, could, you can do Let's Plays or reading vlogs or cooking shows or whatever, but there's a lot of competitions out there for, for top billing with stuff like that. But if you're doing a DCC YouTube series, then you just got Sarah, and Sarah doesn't post anything. So... <laughs> Oh no, it's the pressure's on, Sarah. There, get that vlog. Get those vlogs on YouTube content on DCC, but, it's, but not regular. There's not, there's not just a ton. <laughs> uh, living, living for crits is one worth watching. Yeah. Um, I will, I will plug somebody else. I did not. Another tip is if you're going to talk about your um, videos, then maybe say what the name of your channel is, which is "You're No Hero." <laughs> is my DCC YouTube. And I don't think I've said that once during the whole time. I gave yeah. Carl credit for helping me come up with the name, and then I didn't even say the name. So it's not even. I don't think I deserve the credit. I just like it's the first thing that it says on the back of the book. Like that. Don't think I should get credit for that. I'm, 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 but, but it's the perfect. I didn't come up with it. It is the perfect title for it, especially for the, you know, <laughs> the, the yeah. type of vlog that I'm doing. So it was just perfect. But yeah, I mean, I talked about it for you know. 10 minutes and didn't once mention the title. So you probably should do that if you're interested mm-hmm. in having an audience. <laughs> and don't feel awkward about like sharing it with friends. Like there's, there's some people who I watch on YouTube who are just like, I, nobody knows about this, but either eventually they're going to find out or you're just going to abandon the project. So if it's something that you're passionate about, put it out there. I just like, I have, so many um, of my videos shared on Facebook or different social media accounts just with, to my friends and family. And that's a way of building an audience that a lot of people are uncomfortable with. Mm-hmm. But those are most likely to be your biggest supporters. They're your friends for yeah. a reason. They're excited about, you know, your content. I have I have received private messages from friends that are like, I can't wait for the next episode of Indy 5. And I'm just like, holy crap, I have... Yeah, I have people awesome. who are excited <laughs> about this mm-hmm. weird yeah. thing I'm doing. And it, yeah, it, and I do share sometimes, occasionally, but not like every episode. 
So. And keep in mind that it's impossible for your friends to have the same relationship to it as a listener that does not know you. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's just uh, th- that's just part of the the they're they're not going to be able to to remove their familiarity of you from the thing you've created and in some ways they'll they'll react to it in like a a visceral like almost embarrassment way that isn't warranted but because they know you and there's some hesitancy because because we because we um put artists on a pedestal any type of artistic work is seen as self-aggrandizement because we think of artists as as mega stars and celebrities anytime that anybody creates art we go well what's so special about you that you're creating this art but nobody inherently deserves an audience and any audience you get just be thankful for them and and treat them well because you really should appreciate them just for the fact that they are consuming something and willing to listen to something that you are creating. Devin said to let you know you will never be a Kardashian with that attitude. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on that note, I think we're done. You can cut that last part out. (laughs) Podcast for all about the Kardashians. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want me to stick with that, Dad, or do you want me to do a different? Okay, cool. Like like I said earlier, you would be unwise to edit that out. That is the that is that is is quality content right there. Oh, geez. (laughs) We will, once Sarah's done cackling, we will be back in two weeks for the Related to Geeks book club. The book is Circe by Madeline Miller. It is a Greek mythology retelling, and it's one that I've been meaning to read for a really long time, so I should probably get to it. But we'll be back here in Tinker's Tavern and the Gamer Plus chat for that. At 9 p.m. Central Standard Time on the Daylight third time. Monday of uh uh it's the 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 fifteenth of June. <laughs> also, other Monday nights at nine, open game chat. Um, so uh, sometimes we record podcasts and sometimes we don't. Sometimes we just chat. Yeah. You have been listening to the Related to Geeks podcast, recorded June 1st, 2020, on the Monday Night Inspired Unreality Open Game Chat, held at Tinker's Tavern on Discord. For more about our geeky family, visit relatedtogeeks.com. For more information about Inspired Unreality, join Gamer Plus, a social network for gamers, at gamerplus.org. Sarah, Carl, Megan, and Larry discussed audio and video production for podcasts and vlogs. The music for this show is The Way by Harry Larry, which is one of the songs Larry posted on YouTube in the 90s that he talked about in the podcast.